It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Good evening, this is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Tonight, your hosts will be me, Chucky G, and the wonderful Ever-Essent, Patrick Keller from the Big Saiyans Podcast. Hi, Patrick. Did you say Ever-Essent? That's yes. nice. ever Essent. Hello there. I wouldn't say ever Vescent, but is I would say ever Is that a word? Ever-Essent? Yeah, it's a band. <laughs> it's a really good band. ever Oh, okay. Oh, ever yeah. okay. Yeah, like the band. He's ever as cool okay. as the band. He's as awesome as the band. I just want to be, I think we've already established that I'm kind of your Ed McMahon tonight. Yes, you are. Do your Ed McMahon. Come on, do it for me. Do the laugh. I'm, I'm Ed McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go, folks. I kind of need to hear you do it first, because okay. you do it really good. <laughs> 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 there you go. Yeah, he's got that, really, yeah, that really deep stuff going there on. There we go. I'll so work tonight, on it. Yeah, that's okay. So tonight we have... Linda Godfrey, the author of Monsters Among Us, uh, you know, amongst other things. She's, you know, amongst other things, I was saying that. Wisconsin journalist. She's an artist. Uh, she's been on the show before, I believe, Cheryl said. So um, it's going to be fun to talk to her. Oh, you, you didn't do you say not she was on the show? Do you believe me? I, I, yes, like, I do believe you. I said, I was just saying, Cheryl no, I was just saying, I was show. saying, well, I never heard her on the show. So yeah, you could be making it up. You I'm could be pulling lying. my chain. She's been All on right. the show before. You're not lying. You're dying. All right. Got it. All right. So yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to talk about monsters, werewolves and, and vampires and the beast of Bray Road. And I want to talk about these. Um, there was something about mists, like creepy mists. I want, I want to talk about that because I like that stuff, like the fog. And yeah, yeah. And we're going to talk about all that stuff. So, so anyways, um, how is Mr. Patrick this evening? How's it going? I am good. I'm excited that it's almost Friday. You know, I'm a little teacher tired, <laughs> you know? Yes. I would, um, I would, I would imagine that. I'm yeah, but I'm I'm good. Uh, you know, October is crazy for us paranerds. It's kind of like Christmas time for some of us, and so you know, putting out a few more episodes of shows here and there, and doing a few extra fun little things for the Halloween season, and it kind of wears you out. Yeah, you know I mean, it. Well, I mean, I've had four kids, but you have like like a million, so I don't, <laughs> I don't be able, I, I couldn't deal with that all day long. I'd be like, shut up, shut up, shut up. That's what you like after. <laughs> but I also get to leave them and come home to a for the oh, most part quiet that's house, true. which is nice. Yeah, that's true. And you don't have to feed them either. Well, no, Correct. no, technically you don't have to feed them either, so that's good. Yeah. So, um, uh, what's going on in my life is um November fourth at the Sense of Samadhi in Yorkville, Illinois. I would be doing a I think it's an hour and a half class on reaching in, reaching in, and connecting to your inner voice. Learn how to love yourself. Get a little bit groove going on there in life. Uh, you know, learn how to follow your path a little bit better. Um, we're gonna do that. We're gonna do a guided meditation at the end too. So it's, it's gonna be fun. You know, we're gonna get people to get up and dance a little bit, and you know, just kind of connect and have a good time, and and show them that um, as you know, th th there's a there's a little kid inside there, man. You gotta let that little kid out. That little inner child out because once you do that life is so much more pleasurable chucky g are you gonna cover what to do when you're on that path and all of a sudden there's a fork a fork in do the road there yeah like that's yes. i'm 
Sure. If you, if you, yeah, if you get to the fork in the road, then you have to listen to your inner voice. So you got two voices, man. You got your ego, which is the really loud one. He's like Uncle Harold, <laughs> talking all the time. <laughs> That's Ed McMahon, yeah, actually. That, well, there you go. Well, Uncle Harold sounds like that too. <laughs> Then you got the really, really quiet voice, and that's your inner voice. That's your your soul voice. And what happens is your ego voice always seems to overpower that soul voice. So what you do is we kind of flip it around. So you start listening to the softer voice becomes louder, and then the ego voice kind of tones it down a little bit. And then if you do that, you can feel and choose which way to go in a proper way. So yes, we do too. We do talk about that. There you so, go. I, th- there I you think go. I've I've run into many forks. I think in roads, and sometimes. I well, think other true. people do this too. You're like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's where you're. That's where you're. That's where the in, inner voice or the the uh, the way that you because it's first thought. You know what I'm saying? Like most people think with their minds. You know, we're all conditioned to think with our minds because that's basically it. And your mind is just a giant computer. It's hell's everything that you've learned from childhood and so on and so forth. Um, but you can't. You not. You cannot think with your mind. You must think with your heart. You know, heart and soul is a very true statement you know you think with that and then you lead forward with that your mind comes into play because you have to utilize it to you know go through what you've just been told but usually if you go with your first thought your first feeling for the most part you'll be just fine i mean life's never going to be easy or perfect we're supposed to learn we're supposed to feel everything from every emotion from you know love and hate no i mean all of it is all part of it it's all balanced but you know you can choose to have the lighter of the two if you do it correctly so you should change the name of your session. It should be like, which prong of the fork will you take? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on forks tonight. That's maybe I'm hungry or something. That's a, I, I, Continue. That's okay. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm I'm just going to, you know, see if we can connect with people because I like connecting with people. I love everybody. So, you know, I don't really, you know, we're all the same on the inside. We're all unique on the outside, but we're all on the same on the inside. So we're going to try to get that across, you know, to be an individual because you're here for a reason to be that individual. Uh, we need each and every person for their unique abilities. And then on the inside, we're all the same. We just got to remember that because people seem to... F- seem to really forget that these days, you know, that really on the inside, we're all the same, you know, we need to stick together, help each other instead of, you know, constantly fighting and going against each other and stuff. So I'm going to hopefully make a little dent in this, um, area. Hopefully. Sounds like it should be pretty cool. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be all right. So, you know, other than that, that's about it. You know, um, I wrote something for the magazine. Didn't I share? You did. And thank you for that little, I know you got to go to news, but real quick, yes. we have a little, Announcement, the October issue is out of Paranormal Underground magazine. You can go to paranormalunderground.net and get a PDF copy, or you can go to magcloud.com and get a print-on-demand copy. And Chuck just said he wrote a spectacular article for us. It was on a subject we've never dealt with before in the magazine. It was on, are you ready? Yes. You do it. You do it better than me. Ventriloquism and the Supernatural. There you go. Woo! It's creepy stuff. (laughs) I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was good. All right. Well, I guess I guess it's that time, right? Is it that time? Yeah. Okay. Let's let's roll it, Cheryl. Just when you thought the world couldn't get any weirder, it's time for news of the strange. Okay. So we're gonna talk a little news tonight. Um, I wanna. I'm going to save this w- w- the really quick one for the end. I'm going to go through this one. This one's a little longer, like mm-hmm. uh, last week when I did the Ghost Watch one. But uh, this is a- actually pretty interesting. Okay, so uh, Chad might like this one too. UFO expert found dead after vomiting black liquid. 
Okay, there's a way to start out a news article. All right. All right, so it originally appeared in The Sun by Sarah Camoni. Um, Okay, so here we go. A conspiracy theorist has been found dead in Poland just days after he texts his mom, instructing her to investigate should anything happen to him. Max Spears, the 39-year-old father of two, was found dead on a sofa in Poland where he had gone to give a talk about conspiracy theories and UFOs. He was ruled to have died from natural causes despite no post-mortem examination being carried out on his body. But his dark, but his dark investigations into UFOs and government cover-ups may have made him enemies who wanted him dead, says his mother, Vanessa Bates, of 63. In a chilling text message to his mom just before his death, uh, Spears wrote, your boy's in trouble. If anything happens to me, he says, investigate. All right, so originally from Kent. Canterbury Spears was former classmate of Orlando Bloom, which is kind of interesting, the actor. He lived in the United States for a few years, but returned to the UK to stay with his mother before jetting off to Poland. Bates said he was making a name for himself in the world of conspiracy theorists and had been invited to speak at a conference in Poland in July. He was staying with a woman who he had not known for long, and she told me how she found him dead on the sofa. But I think Max has been digging in some dark places. I fear that somebody wanted him dead. Spears' pals have claimed that he vomited a black liquid when he died in in the Warsaw apartment. Speaking to Project Canelot, friend Miles Johnson said, A person has died here, and I don't think it's good enough that someone who just took normal medication should end up vomiting and spewing black liquid. I would say probably the same thing. And then shortly after that, whatever length of time it was, he died. Max made a career out of investigating all this stuff. So most recently, he was said to be probing into the lives of well-known figures in politics, business, and entertainment. His unexplained death and his subsequent treatment by the authorities has left many online followers convinced he was killed by government agents. Uh, They said he was a pretty fit man on top of that also. Uh, the Northeast Kent coroner's office would only confirm the death was at a very early stage of their investigation, but they still have not gotten an answer as to exactly how he died. So he was not going to, his body was not going to be examined or it just hasn't been examined. It has yet. not been examined. And if it was examined, no one is saying anything, especially to his mother. He's already been buried and not saying anything about it. Oh my gosh. Nothing. So it's kind of like been a, like a hush hush thing here. So, um, yeah, so I'm not really uh, really sure about that, but it sounds a little bit on the uh, sh- sketchy side to me. So, yeah. Uh, all right. So this one comes from the Washington Post.com by Amy Ellis Nutt. In a medical first, this is kind of cool. Brain implant allows a paralyzed man to feel again. So now we're starting to use microchips, nanotechnology. They're starting to actually use all this now. So for the first time, scientists have helped a paralyzed man experience a sense of touch in his mind-controlled robotic arm. For the cutting-edge experiment collaboration between the University of Pittsburgh and the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, electrodes smaller than a grain of sand were implanted in the sensory cortex of the man's brain. The electrodes received signals from a robot arm. When a researcher pressed the finger of the prosthesis, the man felt the pressure in his fingers of his paralyzed right hand, effectively bypassing his damaged spinal cord. The results of the experiment, which have been repeated over several months with 30-year-old Nathan Copeland, offer a breakthrough into the restoration of critically functioned in people with paralyzed limbs, the ability not just to move these limbs, but to feel them also. The experiment with Copeland was a feature stop Thursday when President Obama visited Pittsburgh for a White House Frontiers Conference on Advances in Science, Medicine, and Technology. The researcher described how neuroscience has been able to build a technology where simply imagining emotion translates into motion, in this case, a robotic arm. It's amazing. Pretty cool, Obama said, before asking Copeland to blow it up with a handshake where they each pulled their hand away at the end. I couldn't be prouder of all of you. 
Copeland was a teenager when his car spun out of control on a rainy winter night more than a decade ago. The Western Pennsylvania man was diagnosed with terraplegia paralysis. Paralyzing, paralyzing, paralyzing of all four limbs. He has vo- volunteered and has the ability to move. So he volunteered five years ago to be doing this research. Um, Copeland, who had been studying nanotechnology before his accident, because he was actually studying this, was the perfect subject. Last spring, the surgeons implanted four tiny electrodes in the left hemisphere of his brain into the sensory cortex. Okay, um, so the chip has been planted in there. Um, prior to his experiment, no robotic limb had allowed a paralyzed person to experience the natural sense of touch, a top goal in rehabilitative prosthetic, prosthetic medicine. For a prosthetic limb to truly mimic the full functionality of a human one, it needs to be endowed with the sensory feedback to and from the paralyzed person's brain. Currently, electrical stimulation of nerves and amputees' bodies offer enough sensation to allow for improvements in the control of artificial limbs, but not true sensation. In paralyzed people without a function, peripheral nerve system, it has been impossible to experience touch. Mind-controlled robotic arms got them only halfway. Being able to move and manipulate objects was an advance, but without the sensation of touch, these prosthetic limbs moved tended to be slow and clumsy. So now they're talking that with these, um, with the stuff that's happening now, that we might get to the point where, you know, even if you have a a robotic arm or robotic leg, you'll be able to move like t- totally like a uh, like naturally, like it used to be. I think that's pretty mm. cool. What do, you, what do you think about that? I think that is pretty cool. I've got uh, a pretty you know dysfunctional spine, and mm-hmm. sometimes I wonder if I had the opportunity, Would could I just r- exchange that one in for a brand new one, or there like you, you know lungs every yeah. winter when I get bronchitis like three mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. I wonder if one of these days I could just say, hey, you know, can I just, just exchange with, these? Yeah, hook me up with a new one, you know? Uh, and that, <laughs> and, it's, and it, that's pretty crazy, though, that they can actually, I mean, they're getting so, like, I, I didn't know they were that far advanced, you know, where now we're just, we're, I mean, I always thought, why aren't they combining the technology with the, you know, the, the, the you know, the technology of the bio or the, you know, the organic, and now they are, so. All right, and then the last one, of course, yes, we have to go back to clowns one more time. But I found oh. this interesting because it has to do with McDonald's. They finally weighed in on this. <laughs> All righty, so here we go. I hope it has something to do with French fries. All right, so <laughs> McDonald's downplays you and French fries and the fork in the road. McDonald's downplays <laughs> Ronald McDonald while creepy clown sightings spread. McDonald's Corporation said Ronald McDonald is keeping a low profile with reports of creepy clown sightings on the rise. The burger chain said Tuesday that it's being thoughtful in respect to Ronald McDonald's participation in the community event as a result of the current climate around clown sightings in communities. The company did not provide any other details about how often his red-haired mascot makes appearances and how or whether that will change. McDonald's decision comes after a rash of pranks and threats nationwide and abroad that have involved eerie clowns. The trend began this summer without unconfirmed reports in South Carolina. Since then, reports have involved costume hoaxers, frightening people on the street, or pre- people terrorizing others via social media. Recently, authorities in Lancaster warned that men wearing ugly-looking clown masks were using a kitchen knife to scare people and recording the video of the reaction. Unbelievable. Among other incidents in California, Fairfield Police Sergeant Jeff Osgood said a group calling its members the Clown Gang, surprise, threatened to kill or kidnap people at several schools. Uh, this is getting a little uh, over the top now. Police in Michigan announced last week they arrested two, and I'm going to quote this, two morons dressed as clowns <laughs> saying that the pair of women had chased and screamed at younger girls. 
So these are women. <laughs> British police have also warned about a string of threats, clown incidents as well. So it's not just here in America. It's abroad. It is now abroad. Clowns have now traveled all over the world, probably running around Africa, scaring people. And <laughs> I just don't, I don't understand this. What is wrong with people? Well, I've read about someone getting their fingers chopped off a machete. One guy got shot. It's like, what did you expect <laughs> to happen? I mean, seriously. Well, you were talking about Ronald McDonald kind of going, you know, in hiding, but I didn't know for the last, I don't know, decade or two, has Ronald McDonald even been hanging out not, anywhere? I don't, I don't I ever see him. No, I've never seen him on the commercials. Like, you remember the Hamburglar and Grimace mm-hmm. and all that? Yeah. I don't, I don't, what happened to all of them? They just I don't know. Maybe, maybe in certain regions, Ronald McDonald's is still kind of a thing hanging out. Well, thank God Bozo retired a long time ago or he wouldn't <laughs> the stuff either <laughs> poor bozo yeah they did to have some the normal guy come out and go okay we're gonna do the buckets now bozo can't come out we don't have the kids <laughs> screaming or anything so you know <laughs> so yeah i don't know so that's the, that's the news right now so um for tonight anyways but yeah it's just uh, the clown sightings gotta stop i mean come on seriously i mean what's well the... yeah go ahead i'm sorry i was just gonna say yeah. in my world in middle school world all it is is drama it's just drama and, uh, you know, the kids get all freaked out about it and they see yeah, a like, clown everywhere they go when there is no clown. And well, yeah, it's like slender man or whatever. <sighs> it's like, it's because see, I, when I, when I did that one report, it actually in the eighties is when it happened before. And it was just kids perpetuating this story mm-hmm. of the clowns, but there weren't like people running around, like, you know, like when, when you watch on YouTube, like, I swear, I'm surprised this guy doesn't get shot where he's like hiding in the parking garage. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. And they go, woo. Yeah. It's surprised some guy just didn't like, you know, martial arts just go for <laughs> clowns like laying on the ground out cold. You know, that's going to happen, right? I mean, seriously. Yeah. What's well, that? you know, he, uh, <laughs> now that this clown stuff's going on, that guy so probably has retired his clown yeah. costume. He's probably like, you know, I was just doing it for a laugh, man. I don't want to get shot or machete. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I don't know what, what'll be next. Will it be vampires? Will it be werewolves? We'll have to talk to our, our, our guest tonight. Maybe she'll know. Ma- maybe zombies are like <laughs> leaving. Cause zombies have been here for so long now. Yeah, maybe it's, they're uh, leaving and clowns are moving in. Well, you know, we, we, we normally do beat these things to death, like in the mm-hmm. movies on TV, like vampires, they just beat that to death. And then we mm-hmm. went to zombies and I, I just really can't handle another zombie thing. So we there's a to- clown car coming. There's going to be like 50,000 <laughs> clowns come out for the next couple of years. <laughs> Little clown cars with clown people chasing you down. Honk, honk. Their, yeah. their nose are going to start squinking, squinking, squinking. There's, there's an N in that. Squinking. What is squinking? Is it sort of like squinting? But I only guess. harder? I'm squinking. What's that? I... You squint really hard. Squint. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what that is. Let's do some squinking. So yeah, so I'm I don't know. You know, it's like but I did find the I did find the technology one very interesting. Um I thought that was cool. And then I don't know about that guy spewing black. I mean, come on, who spews black liquid? Seriously. What 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 disease makes you spew black? Only in the science fiction we've ever seen anybody spewing black liquid well, out of any hole or orifice. So, if we go back to that one, who found yeah. him? Like who discovered him to discover the black liquid? Uh, the woman that he was with, the woman that they have no uh, air quoting right now. You can't see me, people. But the woman that said it, you know, um, reported it to the police that he was dead. So we don't know who mm-hmm. that was because there's no name. And then the mom got involved, but then you know they were like you know. You know, he got, he got, uh, yeah, he got, uh, taken, you know, into the, whatever, you know, the morgue came and picked him up and all that stuff. But then where did it become all hush hush? You know I mean? Who, 
someone had to have taken over and said, you know, no, no postmortem, no postmortem, you know, any of that stuff, which that's just normal when someone dies to take them in, mm-hmm. do that. Right. So, and if she was not getting any answers and she hasn't gotten any answers yet from what the story says, unless, you know, it, maybe there are now, but at the point I, I got the story, there was, she had known nothing about like exactly. I mean, the guy was 37. I saw a picture of him. He's 37 years old, super healthy. Not that that doesn't matter. Cause you know, you can just, you know, for anything, yeah. but the guy was really healthy and stuff. And then you just happened to be that he's talking about all these, you know, political people and, you know, all these big wigs and stuff. And, you know, and then you start wondering, yeah, were you like talking about stuff you shouldn't have been talking about or something like that? So, mm. well, but anyways, that's kind of weird. So, but I guess, uh, you know, we're, we're getting pretty close to the break. So I suppose we can just do a break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk. Uh, you got some questions ready. We're going to talk like monsters and, you know, stuff like that. You're going to be all right. Yeah, I've, I've got, a, I've got a few that I'm, I'm kind of ready for some interesting stuff there. All right, cool. All right. All right. Excited to hear it though. Are you excited? I know too. I want to talk about werewolves. That's my favorite thing. So, all right. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break right now and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk to Linda Godfrey, uh, the author of a monsters among us. And we're going to chat about all sorts of different monsters and myths too, because I want to talk about myths. So you're listening to paranormal underground radio in the dark with Patrick Keller and me, Chucky G on mix LR. We will be right back. Hey, great t-shirt. I've heard of that place. It's really supposed to be haunted. You wear such cool t-shirts. You must have been, what, to every haunted spot in the country? Well, not really. I'm a member of hauntedshirtclub.com. I get a great t-shirt from a different haunted place every month, along with an info card with photos and stories and more. I can hardly wait to open it every month. Wow, I have to check that out. Hauntedshirtclub.com, right? Yep, that's it. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Hey everyone, if you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today. Join me at the Big Seance Podcast. I'm Patrick Keller of BigSeance.com, and this is a place for an open discussion on all things paranormal, but specifically topics like ghosts and hauntings, paranormal research, spirit communication, psychics and mediums, and life after death. The candles are already lit, so you might as well come on in and join the Big Seance Podcast. Hey everyone, this is Winter Balefire. If you share in my love for the macabre and bizarre, please check out my website, winterbalefire.com. There you'll find some of my dark poetry, short stories, and blogs on the paranormal and occult. I'm also active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the name Winter Balefire. Thanks. Hope to see you guys soon. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier, co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Thanks for listening to the show. 
You've probably read my column in Paranormal Underground Magazine. I write columns about energy healing, metaphysics, and also dream interpretation. But did you know I also am an author of multiple books about metaphysics and the paranormal? You can learn more about the books that I've written on my website, authorkarenfraser.com. That's author, Karen, K-A-R-E-N, Frazier, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R.com. Where do you want to go to lunch? I'm having a stroke. Did you hear what I said? I'm having a stroke. Why aren't you answering me? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. Look for FAST. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911 immediately. Know the sudden signs. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. So you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we'll, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. You are listening to MixLR. You're joining us here at Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your host, Chucky G, and my sit-in co-host, Mr. Patrick Keller from the Big Sands Podcast. Now, we have our guest for this evening, Miss Linda Godfrey, author of Monsters Among Us, amongst, amongst other things that she does. Hi, Linda. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you guys? I am fantastic. Patrick, how are you doing? I can't answer for you. Are you doing? Oh, fantastic? I am spectacular, ready to Ooh. learn about some monsters. Oh, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> here's what I want to do. First, uh, for people who don't know who you are, can you give us a little background onto you? Well, I am from southeastern Wisconsin, lived in this region all my life, and I never really thought that this would be my career, but I just happened on to the Beast of Bray Road as a newspaper reporter in back in 1991-92, uh, and it's just something that, uh, it was a, a story that had legs, furry legs with paws, and it has never gone away. It took 10 years for me to realize that it was probably about time to quit the newspaper and write a book about it because even without really most people being on the internet, there was so much interest in it that I felt um, I, I really ought to just put it all down. And and all during that time, um, I'd been doing a lot of TV and radio, so there were still people sending me their encounters and reports and stories. And every time that another book came out, it just sort of turned the whole thing over again and and it's been quite steady. So it's been 25 years now that I've been doing this. Wow. So you, you, we started with the Beast of Bray Road and you just started rolling into other lore and uh, creatures and such, correct? Yeah, you kind of you, you can't really help it because um, the more time you spend with these things, the more you learn that they sort of um, intersect, are interwoven. One leads to another. It's like those Lay's potato chips that no one can eat just one, you know? <laughs> yes, I do know those. Yeah, no one can investigate just one cryptid. Yeah, that's true. I, I've always been interested in the Beast of Bray Road. There's like a movie out and all this different stuff, but I've always been interested in that because I'm a... 
I'm a uh, werewolf fanatic. You know, I love uh, that particular. You know, my friends are always like vampires, and I'm always like the werewolf guy. So I've always <laughs> found that to be really fascinating. Um, you know, uh, uh, shapeshifters, you know, and such like that. Now, um, so I want to kind of go through that stuff. So let's just, since we're on the subject, the Beast of Rare, you know, in case somebody doesn't know what it is, which I don't understand how you would know what it is, can you kind of just give like a little summary and a backstory to it, please? Sure. Um, the Beast of Bray Road was first reported by a, a handful of people who lived outside of Elkhorn, Wisconsin, who said that they were out driving in this area near Bray Road, which is about a three to four mile long farm lane. It's not really a spooky trail or anything like that. And they suddenly saw either popping out of the cornfield or running across the road in front of their car or um, standing up from a ditch with bloody roadkill in its mouth, something that looked like a huge gray or dark brown wolf or wolf dog hybrid with the head of a German shepherd or wolf and long fangs and a long muscle, tall, excuse me, muzzle, not muscle, <laughs> tall ears, pointed ears mm -hmm. on top of its head, um, a tail. They would describe it as walking on dog legs, not flat-footed like a human or a bear. Okay. And um, it, the the thing was that the telling um, trait to it was that it walked on its hind legs, which wolves and dogs don't normally do in the wild. They they can. It's not a supernatural thing. Mm -hmm. um, any mammal can walk upright if it's trained or motivated to do so. But okay. in the wild, it's just sort of unheard of. And uh, this, I dubbed it the Beast of Bray Road because I like the and also because star, I didn't think it sounded like a traditional Hollywood or medieval style werewolf, you know, where there were people were seeing transformations. There was sense of people, you know, slain by it or even really of uh, any sort of cattle mutilations, nothing like that. So I thought, well, beast is a good overall term and it went well with Bray Road. So that was what I called it and that was what stuck. Okay. Interesting. So, I mean, so we're saying it looks more like a like a wolf than a more like a wolf than a dog, in in but it stood up right on two feet like a human. Right, right, and they would say the head was either like a wolf or a German shepherd, perhaps. And every once in a while, I'll hear this a really odd report of one that they'll say looked like a, a pug dog, you know, or the nose was a little bit more pushed in or something like a boxer maybe, but that's really rare. Normally they're the other description. Okay. All right. Um, so, so we wouldn't consider this then we wouldn't consider that because a lot of people have a misnomer that the beast of rare is, is like a werewolf, but we're not, we're not saying that that's what it is. I mean, technically. Not in most not? Of the well, not in most of the cases, um, probably 90% or maybe a little more, are just the type where it looks all canine, you know, 100% canine, yeah. just behaving oddly, very oddly. But then there are some that I think may be different manifestations altogether. They just happen to have a canine appearance. You know, you have things like um, your Native American skinwalkers that are mm -hmm. supposed to be a type of shapeshifter. Yeah. There are black phantom dog-like creatures that resemble the black phantom dogs of the UK that show up in people's bedrooms or their yards. Mm -hmm. um, you know, several several different types. And I don't think they're necessarily all the same thing. 
Okay. All right. Yeah. Cause I, cause when, when I was read when I've, when I've all the information I've gotten from it, I noticed that it wasn't really fitting that particular, uh, you know, set things as far as a werewolf goes, you know what I mean? So I was like, I always want, I always, right. at first, cause when I first heard about it, I always thought that's what it was. And then as I got into it more, I, I realized that it wasn't what it was. So, um, so when we moved from the, uh, the beast of railroad, what was that? What was, do you remember what the next thing was that you just kind of ran across? I mean, once you got into this, of course, and you were involved in that particular subject, mm-hmm. what was the next mm-hmm. creature or whatever that you kind of fell upon or got involved with? Well, right from the beginning, people also started sending me sightings of Bigfoot. So I found that interesting because they would seem to be sort of in the same areas, but not necessarily in the same exact territories. It was like they would, uh, I could stick a row of pins along a map to show the sightings. Mm -hmm. And I could tell you to one side of the pins would be almost all Bigfoot and to the other side of the pins would be almost all Dogman. And they're, they're, um, point of of common interest seemed to be that they both like deer because many witnesses over those 25 years have reported seeing both of them either chasing deer very avidly or carrying a a hunk of one around so i imagine that's you know if they're large predators they need a big protein source and the deer would would fill the bill but but so yeah the bigfoot was probably the next and and also um some big birds i um an occasion, I, I remember I had a report from a gigantic, from about an, excuse me, what's a gigantic snake? It was about a gigantic snake that several people encountered near Lake Geneva. Um, mm-hmm. Of cryptids everywhere. Kangaroos, you name it. Wow. Okay. I was placed kangaroos, I should add. Yeah. Um, we're talking with you, but you kind of like keep coming in and out. Is Would it be okay if we called you back really quick on um, the phone number versus the Skype? That way can, I could hear you a little bit better. Would that be fine? Sure, that would be fine. Um, okay. Give me just a couple yeah. extra seconds here to make that switch because I have to go into another room. Sure. Okay. okay. So Linda's going to be right back. In the meantime, me and Patrick are going to sing show tunes. You ready? Go. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick's going to be like, what? I wasn't prepared for this. So when we get, yeah, when we get back, you can handle um, Chad's question um, in chat if you wouldn't mind, Mr. Patrick. No problem. All righty. I was yeah, just going to tell you, believe it or not, it might surprise you. I had never heard of the Beast of Bray Road. Seriously? Is that incredibly oh, unusual? That's kind of crazy, yeah, because, I mean, I read a lot about it. I think I have a mm-hmm. book on it. And then uh, there was the movie, which was, it was okay, it was good. Um, well, and what movie, was the movie? It was just the Beast of Bray Road, actually. Mm. There's an actual movie. I like that. Mm. Um, so it's actually really cool. But I always thought, you know, I've, when you hear about it and see about it, you think, oh, it's werewolf, but it's it's not a it's it's more of a dog or wolfman kind of a thing than interesting. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so pretty cool. So, but yes, I want to get her back because there are so many questions I have on so many creatures. So <laughs> yeah, I have a few too. We now we have our guest back, Linda Godfrey, and we are going to continue with the monster talk we were having. Now, Patrick, you had some questions. I want you to go ahead ask. Well, ask the question of Chad, and then ask your questions. So go ahead. Excellent. Okay, so Linda, we have a question from Chad, and Chad wants to know if you ever encountered any cryptids yourself. Yes, yes, I have. Um, One was possibly a dogman. That was probably the first one. It was in Michigan, and I was there with a History Channel uh, cameraman 
for the uh, Michigan Dogman episode, and we were out in a gravel road with several witnesses who had seen one out there, actually had seen two, and it was like close to 3 in the morning, probably 95 degrees, there were mosquitoes everywhere, so you could kind of rule out somebody in a wolf suit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) they, They would have died from asphyxiation you know, wearing anything like that. But we kept we kept seeing these yellow eyes in the brush and hearing something running, and we had a spotlight set up um, facing one way on the road. And all of a sudden, something caught my eye, and I saw something run just at the outside edge of the spotlight so that the light caught the fur on its spine. And the spine was uh, gray, gray fur, so I knew that was unusual. And it was um, as if it were walking upright, and it crossed in front of a reflective road sign, sign when it reached the other side. And it blocked out that seven-foot-tall road sign. Wow. So we knew, you know, it was seven feet tall. And at that point, the witness saw it also and got very, very agitated and refused to stay another second. So we had to leave. And, of course, the cameraman had his camera pointed the other direction at the moment that that happened. But um, I did start out my book, The Michigan Dog Man, um, with that little episode. I also have had some Bigfoot experiences um, over the past uh, four years. When, once those things kind of start, it's like, um, you know, if you if you stay in the same area, and it's it's almost like they know where to find you, in in a way, or they're keeping tabs on you. But but yeah, I've had several uh, big Bigfoot encounters as well. Well, I'm wondering, this is not actually the question I was thinking about earlier, but after you say that, I'm curious to know, like, what was your level of belief, you know, and skepticism before you had all of these experiences? And then, you know, now is it completely different now that you've had those? Well, in a way, I mean, right from the very beginning, I started out extremely skeptical. You know, I remember kind of laughing when I heard about it. And then... I began to believe that these people were seeing something because as I interviewed witness after witness after witness, you know, I would see them reliving the fright and they were really not seeming crazy or um, trying, like they were trying to hoax me or anything like that. They seemed truthful. Most of them said they wished they had never seen it. They had never um, really told people about it because as soon as they started to, they would be made fun of. And, you know, so they, they didn't have anything to gain. They were really being kind of brave to come forward with it. And I started thinking, well, I don't know what these things are, but there must be something to it or all these people because I was actually receiving reports from all over the U.S., Canada, South America, and even Europe um, even had one from the Virgin Islands, I realized it was a worldwide phenomenon and that there wouldn't be that many people mistaking bears or, you know, some other animal or making it up or, you know, it would have had to have been a, a vast conspiracy of mammoth proportions to have that many people coordinating so many um, sightings if they were wearing, you know, they would have had to have all these werewolf suits. That didn't make sense either. But I will tell you that after I had my own experiences, you go from somehow intellectually accepting that there's something to really forcefully knowing for yourself that, yeah, there's a reality there that... um, I did not really fully understand or appreciate 
still can't say I fully understand it, but I do much more appreciate it. It's just, you, you know there's something beyond what our science books are telling us. Do you, do you think that, so here's a question to put to you then. So do you think these, this creature or let's just, let's even Bigfoots or the beast of prayer road order, do you think that they're just naturally natural species that just have never been discovered or maybe match something from long ago? Or do you think it's something where, you know, maybe man's had its hand in kind of crossbreeding? Uh, what would your thoughts be on that? Well, you know, I'm I'm not sure how the crossbreeding would lead it to be an upright walker because you'd have to crossbreed it with some sort of species that does walk upright. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure what that would be, and it doesn't show in most of them. They just look fully wolf-like or canine. Um, they do seem to be natural most most times in in most uh, encounters in that they leave footprints um they seem to be able to and and need to kill prey and eat uh they'll eat they've been seen eating people's pets cats and dogs going after chicken coops mm-hmm. um and of course the deer you know as i mentioned before so um they can't be fully phantoms but on the other hand there are too many reports where people will see the tracks going along and then the tracks just stop as if it, you know, went into thin air somewhere. Some people have seen them um, kind of fade away or be partly invisible, sort of like the Predator movies uh, kind of thing. So it's almost like there's a sliding scale of reality. And um, many First Nation people that I've talked to, um, and I've, I've tried to interview elders and um, in one case, it was an, an elder who was also an anthropologist. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested in this. Um, they, the ones I've talked to have said something along the lines of these creatures, meaning the Bigfoot and the Dogman, they believe are very old. They've been here longer than man has, and that they are part spirit at least, and that they can go back and forth. They have their own spirit world that they can go to when they want or they can be in our world and when our when in our world they are corporeal they need to eat all those things i just mentioned but when they need to they know where the doors or we might call them portals mm-hmm. um interdimensional portals can go back to their spirit world or maybe we would call that another dimension okay um i don't and I, and the answer is finally i don't know <laughs> for sure yeah. but that's that actually, their idea of it, and I always remind myself, they've been around the longest to observe these things, um, does fit the basic facts of most sightings the best. Okay. All right, so I want to ask, uh, this was one of the things I saw in the bio, and it's interested me. There's a thing where, um, called sentient mists. What, 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 is, what is that? What, what is, I mean, is it just like some kind of creepy fog or i mean what it what it basically what is it yeah okay what can you tell me a little bit about that yeah um these things they vary a little bit they're not all exactly the same Mm -hmm. but in many cases they seem to be kind of self-aware or at least aware of and able to interact with the surroundings Mm -hmm. for instance um one of my best examples i can give you was a 
an air, a southeastern Wisconsin sheriff's de- county sheriff's deputy okay. who was out um, doing his rounds, evening rounds, and he had to stop and write up some reports. And so he pulled up to a, a small parking lot in a nature area that is along a very large cattail marsh. And uh, he had found that a peaceful place to sit before. And it was just around sundown, so it was still light out. And he happened to look up, and he saw this green-tinged area of uh, a mass of what just looked like a uh, fog or a mist. Mm-hmm. It wasn't spreading out. It was pretty contained, you know. So he watched in amazement as it came across this marsh straight toward him and then actually went right through the car and him, the squad car. And as it did, it turned off all of the uh, electronic components in the ignition and in the um, radio and the computer, Every mm-hmm. everything, all the lights just went down. And after he had experienced that for what seemed like a moment or so, Mm-hmm. It suddenly made a right angle turn and went into this path at this nature preserve and, and up a hill and just kind of vanished into the woods. And he's sitting there thinking, huh, you know, what was that all about? <laughs> yeah. And then he realizes 45 minutes have passed. And actually, he didn't realize it right away until he had left. And then he figured out how, uh, you know, what had transpired while he was sitting there thinking the mist was simply passing through the car. And he yeah. realized it was 45 minutes that he had lost. Wow. So it has some kind of like electromagnetic properties in order to shut down all the equipment. But and it, can, so. and it kind of sounds like, you know, like when you encounter a UFO or you have that time lapse or that loss of time. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. So what do you think? I mean, so, you, so we're saying that the, this mist had an a, a, a actual intelligence to it, like it was an actual living entity of some sort? Well, he felt that way, you know, because it came, it could have gone anywhere, but it came straight to his car uh-huh. and it lingered there. And then it, instead of, uh, you know, you would expect um, that a real mist just sort of driven or wafted around by the wind would just kind of keep on going, just pass through and keep on going. This made a turn and went up a path. So that, you know, just, it's not acting like a, a simple fog or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And one reason I included this type of thing in the book is because um, my big point with the book was to show that a lot of cryptid sightings, more than some people care to admit, do have anomalous phenomena that either occur at the time of the sighting or that are seen in the very same area. And this area that he was in was a place where Bigfoot had been sighted Mm -hmm. and um, also a dog man at one time and is uh, kind of the center of some, some real strangeness. And he actually encountered this another time uh, the following year, um, kind of in the same area, but near a lake and this time it didn't he didn't feel that there was any missing time with that one but it acted the mm. same way it mm. came straight for him as if it knew he was there and it was curious about him and you know just wanted to uh who knows sample him somehow yeah well it sounds like you know like the, so if you're saying like all these things are happening in the one area then there's kind of like maybe a uh, cross of interdimensions or something where these but, beings well, or whatever are popping in and out yeah there's um 
a local woman who for years operated a place called the Sci-Fi Cafe. I'm talking about Burlington, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And um, she has always said that she believes there's a vortex in those woods. And for many years, she actually had a vortex conference where people would come and um, kind of experience the vortex. And I stood and sat in the vortex. I didn't feel anything in particular myself, but other mm-hmm. people have said that they did. So there's always also that. And um, this is also a spot where there were, um, and, and this is for sure, it's local history. There were many Native American burial and um, effigy mounds. The effigy mounds mm-hmm. were in the shapes of animals, which is oh. very unusual. Uh, eight, okay. Very, In fact, southern Wisconsin has something like 90, 96% of all the world's ancient animal-shaped mounds. Wow. And they're, they're not necessarily... Um, burials. Some have burials, but but many don't, and they had other purposes that aren't fully understood yet. But they were considered extremely sacred, and this area had been full of them. Okay, yeah, because I've seen like I've seen ancient mounds, but they're never you know shaped in the in, in animal shapes. It's just usually like a normal mounds or something like that. Like that. So um, right. that's that's pretty interesting. Do you think there's a correlation to it? I mean, there's probably, I, I'm assuming there has to be some kind of significance to why they're shaped like that. Because, I mean, of course, animals are always connected to Native American folklore and that kind of stuff. So, Right. Well, um, I did have sort of a breakthrough moment when I was writing um, my second book, which is Hunting the American Werewolf, when... I was looking at a new book that had come out about the mounds of Wisconsin, the effigy mounds of Wisconsin, and there was a map that had a different little symbol for the different types of animals. And these, the animals of the mounds correlate very directly to our Ho-Chunk tribal people's um, very ancient totems, and they have things like turtles and bears and and um, wolves and and uh, great birds, thunderbirds. And there's one called the water spirit or the water panther, which I discovered after some research. Most of the settlers called it a uh, lizard mound because it had a long tail, but actually it was just referring to this water spirit. And it actually, when I interviewed um, a Ho-Chunk elder, I found out that it did resemble a canine more closely. And when I looked at this map, I thought there's something familiar about where all of these water spirit or water panther um, signs are. And then I realized I had prepared a map where I had some major clusters, not just not every single one, but some major clusters of those types of mounds here. And they correlated almost exactly. I was able to make transparencies and lay them one on top of the other. And it was just astounding at how they corresponded and that led to thoughts such as maybe these things are some sort of spirit guide i have i've had that suggested to me that when the mounds are disturbed and many of them were actually destroyed by settlers and farmers and people digging parking lots and that kind of thing mm-hmm. when they're disturbed um perhaps then these spirit mounds are set free to go out and uh, wreak havoc or um, they're released or something, you know, it, it's impossible to know exactly what, but there did seem to be at least that correlation. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a question in chat uh, about ley lines. And so um, Bob is wondering if, you know, if there were any ley lines intersecting the area. 
Well, that's a good question, uh, and people have asked that um, more than once. The thing is, as far as ley lines themselves go, um, I don't know of any really authoritative um, reference that shows where the ley lines in Wisconsin are. Mm-hmm. There are places where you've got high concentrations of either um, iron in the ground or um, special kinds of quartz. There's an entire um, structure many miles long made of a certain rare type of rose-colored or reddish quartz in one area of, of southern Wisconsin. And so you've got a lot of places where there's strong electromagnetic um power and you can see the sightings do seem to occur very often along these they're also often connected with the power lines themselves you know and people will have sightings and say oh yeah by the way there was a big um you know there were big electrical lines running through there so it's in in my experience it's been more that than the ley lines um and and like i said i don't know that there is such a thing but you i i have been doing some research in the U.S. geological surveys of highly magnetic areas, and I've found that um, this area of southeastern Wisconsin, in particular, and some other hotspots of of sightings, um, do seem to have higher than usual magnetic properties. Well, I'm curious. You know, we've talked about the wolf kind of dog creatures, and we've talked about you know the mists and stuff. And um, I'm curious to know, I don't know a lot about this topic, but I'm, I want to know if you know anything about the Piazza bird in Alton, Illinois. Are you familiar with that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this was something that um, was seen you know, by the very first explorers, and it was um, painted on a rock wall at a bend in the river. Um, these people were... Um, and I'm gonna. I want to make sure I have this correct. So I'm not gonna say which way. But it's by Alton, Illinois, mm-hmm. and it had. It was interesting because it. It appeared almost to be like one of these water panthers more than a regular bird. It had um, something like feathers. It had um, kind of a cat-like head, and a long, strange tail, and um, very, very odd-looking feet. So it was a very unusual creature, and. It was considered, I think, a rather um, powerful and sacred place. The The painting itself was ultimately kind of destroyed um, just through area enterprises, I think, around in the early 1900s, and has kind of been replaced because um, drawings and things had been made of it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's interesting because that area of mid, mid to southern Illinois had lots of big bird sightings in the 1960s, and some people have connected those to the Piazza. Um, I'm I'm not sure exactly if it's if it's the same thing at all, um, because it's a really different looking creature, you know, that obviously has some mythical elements to it. But uh, it, it's a very very interesting um, piece of cultural art that we have there. Yeah, and it's so interesting because, as you say, the original um, – so, and I don't know a ton about it. So, I mean, what you've said, I kind of know a little – a few basics. But it's like, well, how do we know – I don't think we even know who painted the one that exists now, correct? So, it's like, who knows 
um, where did this drawing come from? Where did this depiction come from? It's really interesting right. how it's come about. Right. Well, the the people who were there when most of the settlers came didn't know who built those effigy mounds either. You know, they would just say the ancient ones or the old ones. And um, there there was a name for them in Michigan. Um, in southern Michigan, they have a different type of mounds, which are like these. They, they called them garden mounds at first because they reminded them of formal English gardens, which would have all the hedges and other types of plants um, set in maze-like formations or very balanced geometrical formations. And that's how these were. Um, luckily, they were copied before and, and surveyed before they were all made into fields. Mm-hmm. But um, when asked who built these mounds by the first settlers, um, the people said it was the, the Yom Kodesh, which meant something like prairie people, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so they, but they did not claim credit for them themselves. And they kind of maintained them and felt they were sacred grounds. Um, but and they were very sharply, and, and both of these types of mounds, I might add, that the, the animal effigies and the uh, formal garden types were not any sloppy old earthworks. These were very precisely conceived, and you'd almost thought they would have had to have seen them from the air in order to make such beautiful and precise um formations and they weren't super realistic they were you know in the stylized nature as as a lot of the uh the native american art was but they were beautifully artistically done and with sharp clean edges and the people who drew them had a very um purposeful idea behind the way that they were depicting these things so they're they're really an amazing treasure Hmm. Interesting. All right, I got a question for you. This is one of the, one of the cryptids that I'm interested in. It's not like Loch Ness or Bigfoot or any other stuff. Um, I guess they just call them little people, four foot high. Uh, I don't. I don't know if there's. What are they called? What'd they say? Uh, one of the most common names in, in the Midwest is uh, Pukwudgies. Okay. Yes. Correct. Yes. And I'm just kind of curious about do you what do you, what do you know about these? I've seen like photographs where someone's caught captured them like walking across the, the the road and stuff, and it just fascinates the heck out of me. I don't know why, but yeah, they're well, they're supposed to be. You know, according to Native Americans tribes that I've I've talked with or know about, and I always put a disclaimer in here because all of the First Nation people do not believe the same things. They all have their own heritage and and some quite unique, but I'm just kind of speaking in generalities. Yes. And um, in in general, they're often very reminiscent of, like, European fairy folk, or um, j- just about every culture has its own tradition of strange, small people. Mm-hmm. And they're said to be part of nature. You know, they'll often be encountered along stream banks or uh, near trees, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to treat them with great respect because they can be benign and help you, but if they feel disrespected, um, you know, you're probably in for a lot of trouble and, and they'll just sort of bedevil you. And again, that's very, very like the small people tradition in uh, in Europe and Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in one of, I don't know if it's Iceland or one, one of those countries, um, mm-hmm. they actually lay out roads and building so as not to disturb the the little folk. Yeah. Because it, it's kind of the same thing. They feel that mm-hmm. they'll be um, 
you know, not not very happy if if uh, they make these little guys unhappy. Yeah. So, so yeah, but they're but they're almost a universal theme wherever there are humans, you know, and mm-hmm. and now we know that there were these uh, these little people, um, and I don't have this in front of me, the Flores, I think they were they were called. Okay. Um, Flores. Mm, I'm not going to get the whole the whole name right. But <laughs> okay. they were discovered a few years ago, and they were discovered to be. Um, there's still some argument because they they keep learning more and more about them from the DNA. But um, they were very small people that were found on this island that um, had had been there a very long time ago, and they they seem in their description very like some of these other ones that are that have their own uh, various first nation names like like the Pukwudgie, which i just i just think that's the best name i really like that name yeah i think it's kind of cool cuz it reminds me of like cuz it reminded me of like when you're talking about like leprechauns and such you know yeah, in ireland yeah, they do the same yeah. thing they, they they build around things cuz they don't cool. want to yeah they don't want to tick them off you know what i mean <laughs> cuz they're right. going to rain down on you you know so um i just i just found that you know, and i remember seeing i don't know what it was but someone actually had a picture and it kind of reminded me of Maybe the thought of where elementals comes from, you know, the yeah. thought process behind that, that that could be what they are. They're, you know, like you said, part of nature. Right. And, um, you know, so right. that's that's kind of interesting. But in fact, I just saw one today. There's something going around the Internet, one going around the Internet where this woman was supposedly um, taking a picture of her husband. And then when she looked in the pictures, there's this little guy coming through the grass like he's sneaking up on them. And it would have been about three or four feet tall. The really? The thing about it to me was that. It was very um, distinctly modeled, but it looked more like it was part of the grass, like as if the grass had come together and formed this little this humanoid figure. Mm-hmm. And it looked more like the grass than it did the flesh and, blo- and bone of, you know, the husband, where you could see the sunlight sharply modeled on his skin. He had yeah. uh, short sleeves on and, and shorts. And on this thing, it was more the kind of blended in colors of the grass, and yet it had modeling too, but not in quite the same light reflecting way. So I don't know if it was a real thing or if it was computer generated or photoshopped. It could yeah. have been, mm. but um, they did a nice job. If it, was, <laughs> it does make you just stop and look and go, whoa! What, oh yeah, that? yeah. That's 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 pretty cool actually. If they could actually like just come together from like dirt or the grass and just, you know, that'd be more like on the spiritual, like elemental side of things where they just kind of like nature just kind of pops and turns into something. So that's kind of crazy. All right. So I saw on the things in your bio also about uh, a firsthand testimony of a trans terrifying transformation from a woman to a beast during a church service. So I kind of wanted to, yeah, Patrick just got his attention. Uh, I'm kind of curious, at what, can you describe a bit of that for us? That's kind of interesting. Yeah, um, this happened, I believe, in 1992, and it was in Illinois. I did not give the location of the church or anything like that, which, by the way, isn't there anymore. It's It uh, has been um, it par- partly demolished and partly became some other type of building, so mm-hmm. it's no longer there to look at anyway. But... Um, this was a, a middle-aged couple when they came to me. They were younger. They had a son and daughter at home, and they were all in church on a Sunday. It's a small um, conservative church, and the front pews were the pews kind of went out like 
in a U shape, mm-hmm. and they happened to be sitting in the front pew that morning, and there was a woman across the other side that they kept glancing at because she seemed um, just a little off. They couldn't figure out what it was, and she was kind of new. She hadn't been there long. They didn't know her well or anything. They'd, you know, seen her a few times at services before, but that was as far as it went. And the service ended, and the pastor, um, who had been standing up in front at the pulpit, took his Bible and, as was his habit, walked down into the the main part of the church to take part in their um, song service. Mm-hmm. And as he began to pass near this woman, she they said she suddenly leaped up to her feet, kind of cricked her neck a little bit, let out this horrendous screaming howl, and almost instantaneously, what they saw was not this woman, but what looked like a very large wolf-type being with gray fur, um, kind of close. It wasn't, wasn't real shaggy, they said. And great big fangs, it was completely animal. It didn't look like it was at all human. And the one really strange, strange even stranger thing, was that it had hoofs instead of paws. Which is the only time I've ever heard that when describing a, a wolf man or a dog man yeah. type of creature. And they were just in complete shock. Now, the pastor was right there and he kind of uh, refuted it using his Bible and, you know, said a few words of scripture. And there were also some elders up there sitting near the front, too. And the elders kind of all um, jumped this creature and got it down on the the pew and then it transformed right back to the woman and they said it wasn't like hollywood where you see you know a slow elongation of the muzzle and then you see hair sprouting out and and uh it's you know writhing in torment or anything it was just uh, one minute they were looking at a woman the next minute they were looking at this unidentifiable beast Mm -hmm. and so this again does not seem to be at all like the normal what the dogman type of of sightings. This was something else that is not explainable to our present science, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. And um, they watched as the elders kind of helped her out of sight of the church, and they said that a few people kind of looked at each other and were saying, "You know, did you see that? What was that?" And then nobody ever talked about it anymore. It was hmm. just kind of a forbidden thing, and uh, so how about wife, that hymn? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's that's just how it was, yeah. and um, uh, of course, with an extraordinary story like this, you know, I like to really do some. Re- I I try to research and interview everybody that tells me about an encounter, um, particularly if I'm planning to use it in a book. And I did interview them face-to-face at at least three times. We had quite a bit of correspondence. Um, I uh, asked them to sign kind of affidavits saying that they, um, you know, affirmed that everything they told me was factual and true and signed it so that the publisher would have that. I have all their contact information, that kind of thing. But um, they never knew where the woman went after that or Mm -hmm. um, they you know, she. I think she did come back to church a couple of times, wow. but um, you know, there was no, there were no other further incidents, and it was simply not spoken of again. Yeah, well, but their kids did see it too. You know, and remember. Really? It. 
Well, I know Cheryl's asking, you consider that a shapeshifter, sort of, or no? Because or, a shapeshifter, well, I think, kind of it changes. I think there are different types of shapeshifters, but, yeah. I mean, you'd almost have to call it that because it shifted shape. Either that or it was pro- and, or it was projecting some sort of a, an aura or a spirit energy around it that could be manipulated. Or it may have been, some people would say that this being a church, and I guess the sermon had been on the Holy Spirit, um, which maybe aggravated it. It also seems like um, a classic case of demon possession dem- or demonic possession. Wow. Okay. That's so. So I have a quick question here because we're almost getting to the end of the interview. But I, I want to know, like, nowadays everybody has phones. Everybody has some way of capturing something. Right. Why do you think it is that we don't have more visual proof of? A lot of the stuff that we're talking about, you know, you know, even it's like Bigfoot stuff. I mean, I understand, you know, in the bygone days, you know, it wasn't quite so easy, you know, because I mean, I remember when I had a video recorder in, you know, the 80s, it was a giant half inch camcorder. So <laughs> nobody had those and they're really hard to lug around. But now, I mean, everybody has yeah. a phone. So, I mean, you could just snap right. it off. So what do you think? Why do you think that is? Well, I think there are several factors involved. One is that I know from hard experience that it's much more difficult than you think of than you would think it would be to, but even if you have, if you're holding a camera in your phone or around your neck, because this has been my experience, mm-hmm. um, you see something, and by the time, first of all, you're so shocked at what you're seeing. If if it's a genuine phenomenon, you're going, oh my gosh, what is, you're just like mesmerized. And by the time you do get the camera up, it's usually fading away or running away or gone, something like that. I could go into some um, experiments I've made of trying with a night camera to to get actual animals that we saw going past in the ditch and weren't mm-hmm. able to capture a single one yeah. using a, a police type of camera. So so there is more difficulty than you would think. The other mm-hmm. thing is, uh, some people have suggested that if these creatures are from, say, another world, another dimension, um, even another part of, of uh, our own atmosphere or something like that closer to home, that Obviously, if they can wink in and out of of uh, worlds or realms, um, they they might have a very different sort of electromagnetic reading mm-hmm. than we who are, um, you know, from from this area, from around yeah. here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so perhaps um, their electromagnetic fields, because everything living has one, is not set to the same tuning that our cameras are set to capture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now this is my own personal theory. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I've heard it elsewhere too. But mm-hmm. yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, um, we're we're down to the last little bit of the interview, but uh, before we let our guests go, we always like to let them do what they like to call shameless self promotion. So if there's any, like you know, websites or where they can get your books or find out more about you, uh, go right ahead and plug away. Oh, great! Yeah, my book Monsters Among Us just came out on the 11th of this month. And so I'm, I'm very excited about that. And it's called Monsters Among Us, an Exploration of Otherworldly Bigfoots, Wolfmen, Portals, Phantoms, and Odd Phenomena by Linda S. Godfrey. You can find out um, my other books by going to lindagodfrey.com, and you'll also find click-throughs where you can order uh, Monsters Among Us and some of the other books. Um, it's also available at other online bookstores besides Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, Barnes and Noble brick and mortar stores have it, so it's going to be uh, fairly easy to get. And then 
Also at lindagodfrey.com, you can see my blog and read about some of my own personal experiences and recent ones that people have sent in to me that aren't published elsewhere or in books. Mm-hmm. And um, or at least at least a lot of them aren't. And also biography and uh, some other, uh, probably more things than you wanted to know, but it's, it's all there <laughs> at lindagodfrey.com. Do you have any more uh, future book topics or anything else that you're going to be working on now? You got this one out or are you just kind of like just going through the motions of staying in the field right now? Well, I, I am trying to spend time in the field, although it's hard when, when I'm doing all this promo. Um, but yeah, I do have another um, type of unknown canine that I'm sort of um, examining right now, and that may be, but um, my agent has talked me into writing a memoir of um, all these experiences I've had over the past 25 years. So mm-hmm. that will probably be coming out too. Oh, awesome. Well, I saw that you said something really quick about you being an artist, too. Do you have any, like, oh, yeah. work that you out there, have out there that people can get a hold of, too? Or I mean, do you, like, do yeah. artwork on, like, the the creatures we're talking about? Or is it a different kind yeah. of artwork? Or Well, I I actually, my, my original um, college degree is art education. Uh-huh. And then I have additional work in, in library. And I do a lot of illustrations for my book, especially um, the latest one before this, which was, American monsters and American monsters, and that one has lots of my illustrations. I do um, forensic sketches that uh-huh. people will describe creatures to me. And so, if you look back through all of my books, um, you'll find my illustrations. And and uh, I also do fine art as well oh. when I can find time to do that. I do <laughs> a type of collage. Oh, Whatever. cool! All right. Yeah, I, was, I didn't know if you like you did like you know paintings of the Beast of Brer Road because I'd buy one of those because that's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I find it really interesting. Well, I want I want to tell you uh, thanks for coming on the show uh, tonight. I'm sorry, it got a little crazy at the beginning there, but we reined it in, and yeah. you, it was a really fun time. We had a great interview, and you're a very interesting lady. I should say young lady. I'll say young lady. You're a very interesting. Call me young. Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, I want I want to thank you for coming on, uh, and hopefully we'll talk to you. Again. Very nice to talk to you, Linda. Yeah, there you go. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure talking to all of you. Thanks. Okay, well, thanks, Linda. You have a good night. You too. All Take right. Care. All right. Happy bye-bye. Halloween. Thank you. Bye-bye. Happy Halloween to you. Bye bye. Thanks. Well, there you there you go. That, that was a that was awesome. I, I had a really that good time. was cool. Although yeah. I have to tell you, I you know my paranormal world is surrounded by ghosts and psychics and mediums and things like that, and. I am kind of, you know, the dog and I really get into our late night dog walks around here. And I'm, you know, the next couple of nights, I'm probably uh-huh. not going to have the same kind of experience. <laughs> nice, relaxed experience when you walk by and the bushes go. Patrick's running with the dog being dragged by the chain behind him. <laughs> oh gosh. It's funny. I, I don't think about things like that because it's well, just. It's, now you can. Now I will. You can pick up her book and go read it. I'm going to grab her book up. I'm definitely going to grab her book up. So and then seek some therapy. <laughs> there you go. Grab the book. <laughs> therapy. Well, yeah, it'll have to go in that order because once you read it, then you'll need the therapy. Yes. There you go. Well, I guess yes. so I guess what we're going to do now is we're going to take a little a little break and um we're going to come back and we're going to do some correspondence. You like how I said that correspondence? I do. That's nice. But well, thank you. That's All right, so we're going to thanks. So we're going to take a break real quick and we're going to be right back. You're listening to Mix LR Paranormal Ground Radio in the Dark with Patrick Keller and me, Chucky e. G. We'll be right back. 
It starts with an itch and a tingle And then it builds and expands And suddenly all at once My legs won't let me stand I scratch till my fingers go numb But my skin never bleeds A silent accomplice waits and feeds When I'm asleep There's something that lives inside me I promise I never are in place It's flat in the sun and it's dark in my days I've taken it all for granted Now it's too late There's nothing that's left to do but wait There's something that lives inside me I never let it in oh, 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 oh. It grows and divides inside me It's making a home beneath my skin With an itch and a tingle And then it builds and expands And suddenly all at once My legs won't let me stand I scratch till my fingers go numb But my skin never bleeds A silent accomplice waits and feeds When I'm asleep
So you're looking for the best in paranormal radio. Well, you just found it right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. This is MixLR. You're listening to Paranormal Run Radio in the Dark with your hosts, Patrick Keller and me, Chucky G. We've been having a lovely time this evening, ups and downs of technology and all. But, you know, it's been a really great show. We've had a lot of fun so far. Now it's time for Correspondent Corner. I'm going to call it, that's what I'm going to call it, Correspondent Corner. That sounds so nice. Thank you. Um, the first one up is going to be... Um, from Los Angeles, California, Winter Bale Fire. Uh, she's going to be talking about the pastor and the witch doctor. Nice. So go ahead, Cheryl. Run it. Hello. This is Winter Bale Fire, Paranormal Underground Radio and the Dark correspondent. And I'm here live in Los Angeles, California. This is quite a bizarre story that comes all the way from Nigeria. A pastor by the name of Victory Shiaka felt he needed some help to make his failing church and congregation grow. So what was the only logical solution? To visit a witch doctor, of course. Victory stated a fellow pastor introduced him to the witch doctor, who would give him a supernatural edge. When they visited, Victory requested something for protection and to help his congregation. The witch doctor, also referred to as an occult specialist, gave him a charm that he was to drink. The charm was said to not only protect victory, but would give him the power to perform miracles and make it so no one would ever be able to kill him. There were also reports that a goat and a chicken were sacrificed as part of this ritual. Apparently this charm had some negative repercussions. Victory later visited Pastor T.B. Joshua, a famous Nigerian televangelist at his synagogue church of all nations, to receive deliverance. Footage can be seen via YouTube of victory and a large group of people being exercised of their evil. As Pastor Joshua demands the unclean spirit to come out, you can see numerous people shaking, crying, and writhing on the floor. Victory can be seen on all fours, shaking with a vacant look in his eyes. Later, he told Emmanuel TV, one of Africa's largest Christian television networks, that he felt cleansed. He stated he saw an angel and a flash of light. Next thing he knew, he was at the altar. Though there is no mention of who the witch doctor was that Victory visited, one of the most well-known witch doctors, Kuwaku Bonsam, has said that many pastors have come to him in order to gain their healing and miracle-working abilities. Exorcism has always been a controversial topic, and if it is possible, can it really be done in such a large group on live television? Or was this all for show? A person's belief is a powerful thing, especially when religion is involved. The psychological effects can almost seem supernatural. If Victory truly believed his bad luck was from this charm he ingested, and he had to be cleansed, then that was truly the only thing that would have made things right in his mind. He needed to do this in order for his soul to feel at peace. On the other hand, there are very powerful forces surrounding us that we may never truly understand. Unexplained things happen daily. In the end, it's all what you feel is best for you no matter how bizarre it may seem to those on the outside. 
Thanks for listening. This was Winter Balefire for Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. All righty. We are back. And we were just listening to Winter Balefire and the pastor and the witch doctor. And, you know, I can listen to her voice all day long. She has the most beautiful voice. I'm telling you, Winter, you're out there. You have the most beautiful voice. I'm sorry. I'm just mesmerized by your voice. But anyways, we're going to move forward now to the next one. This comes from uh, England, from Andy Evans and Steve Hemingway, um, live from the haunted Lead Chapel in York, Yorkshire. So let's go ahead and listen to this. Cheryl, would you roll that, please? Hi, this is Steve Hemingway and Andy Evans. And we're coming for you from Paranormal Underground Radio. We're in the dark correspondence here in the UK. We're, we're in Yorkshire. We're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and we're at Lead Chapel, which is a tiny little 18-foot-long chapel uh, in a field, basically, that used to have a surrounding village around it. This is a fantastic location. The activity, the spiritual activity, Steve, is it amazing. Is second to none. Absolutely second to none. We've spent some time now here and we're just starting to scratch the bottom of it. Yeah. A yeah. bit of a history is uh, where, where the Lead Chapel stands now was a huge battle probably the biggest battle on yeah. English soil. Yeah. Englishman against Englishman. Yeah. During White Roses. Um, this was a decisive time for British history, weren't yeah. it? Two kings came together, or two king, two, two, two people wanted thrown, and this was the, yeah. the battle that ended it all. This was it. When this battle took place, we, we both sides together, a collective figure were something in reason of about 60,000 men. In, in something like a two mile square area uh, where this battle took place. Um, the result was at, at least 30,000 of these ga- these people were killed. That's slaughtered. Half. Yeah, yeah, they were slaughtered. And another unusual thing was that it, it took place on 29th of March 1461 on a Palm Sunday. But the weather was so unusual. Um, at the time, there were a snow blizzard while this battle was going off. And Andy, you were saying you've done some research on how long battle took. I think the, the overall battle in, in total, the, the actual clash of the Titans is what you can say. Yeah. It's about three and a half hours. Um, for 30,000 people to die yeah. in that time. And there's um, no heavy artillery in yeah. these kind. This is Antoine combat. Yeah. This is Antoine combat. But we have, uh, in recent, we've been doing quite a lot of recordings at Lead Chapel which is near to, to Battlefield, and we have picked small, it's like a stone tape theory, yeah. we have picked musket fire, yeah. and when we've looked at it, the Battle of Town was, was the first place in England that small arm, arm fire was deployed. Yeah, and um, we've, we've got it, we've got it, and that's something that we'll be bringing to you when we collect a lot of these EVPs and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's just an amazing place, it's so steeped in misery. Yeah. That's all I can yeah. say, Steve. Well, we had churches in field, there were a surrounding village around it. So this village, we would say, would be not not really a, a, a very big village, um, but the people who inhabited the village just before this battle took place were all killed. Um, and this was done by poisoning, which they put into the river. We did get some AVPs maybe two months ago, and we're getting clear responses about poisoning. Yeah. Um, yeah. We didn't know much about history, Steve, did we? No, no, no. We just one of these places. Um, we were going on his rounds and trying to get a, a bit of a historic look uh, yeah. regarding paranormal things. 
that we've got clear EVPs mentioning poisoning. Yeah. And in, in particular, one, one clearly says, I can't tell those that are dying. Yeah. yeah. When we've gone back and looked and researched it, actual Lancastrian soldiers, before they the went onto the battlefield, poisoned the waterways. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which would have killed villagers. Yeah, well, I doubt. Um, also, this, this lead church where we are tonight is. Uh, it would have been used as a kind of as a, as a shelter, as a place to bless the dead, uh, i.e. your knights and your earls and your dukes and all that kind of stuff. It weren't for your your commoner or your peasant or what as such. Um, so the the history around it is traumatic um, and, and very very violent. Um, and and we've we've been here a few times and we're just setting up really to to bring this to you. Uh, we've got some amazing EVPs coming up uh, and also some great footage. Um, the EVPs though, Steve, they're not just one or two answers. No, no, no. These, these are full-blown intelligent yeah. responses. Yeah. Um, they even, which we're going to fetch forward uh, in later shows, they're telling us where to look yeah. and what, what to look for yeah. um, during his investigations. Yeah. This is a fantastic place. Oh, well, I doubt. Uh, and anybody so visiting England or who's in Yorkshire area coming to Yorkshire, tick it off on your bucket list or must-do list because it's it's such a beautiful, tranquil place, but yet its surrounding history is so violent. You know, it's... 30,000 deaths yeah. in such a small area. Yeah, three hours. Yeah. It, it's... Um, so much misery, so much yeah. suffering, Steve. Yeah. And we are picking that up. Yeah. But what's interesting though, we're not getting any anything that's untowards or dark. No. When we're getting through EVPs, it's no. all willing to communicate. Yeah. And come yeah. through. Yeah. And and it, it it's sort of leading us along as well. It's not leading us along in things that it's deceiving us. It's actually telling us places in the field that where there's been buildings where there's been certain bits of architecture, where people are, um, and, and the entire sites, uh, it, it's just an amazing place altogether. Um, but again, like I say, it's, it's 18 foot long, this chapel. It used to have a gold-lined roof, which there's no gold on there now, it's just your beams. It's a beautiful, beautiful it's one place. Of the yeah, and, and what's interesting is, it's open 24 hours, there's no lock on the door, but yet there's no vandalism, there's no sign of anything around here. It has got, it is respected. Um, but yeah, What it's, we it's do find as well, Steve, is when we go in, there's often vases of flowers. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah which is. we'll go into later, because we have got EVPs where Steve's picking flowers up and asking what sort of flowers, and we're getting EVPs back and about naming flowers, and when we've looked back, we actually giving Latin names. Yeah, or medieval old, time or names. Or medieval yeah. time names. What, what flowers we call, it's like, say, a daisy or whatever. Well, then cowslip. The cowslip is what word did he use for that, for that flower. Yeah. And and that's what it's relating to in that time period. But what an amazing place. Fantastic. And mm. and it's all about getting that information out there to you guys and getting that them EVP recordings, photos, whatever we can. We'll get them out there, but follow us because it, it's it's an interesting one, yeah. and it's a, it's a lovely bit of English history in a way that's related to one of the biggest battles ever fought on this on this land. Yeah.
and it's interesting. Yeah. And I mean, what's good for us now, we already do a, a, a radio show uh, yeah. at the Dark Hours, yeah. but to speak to people in America and let the Americans yeah. know our history yeah. and how we undergo our yeah. investigations and that, it's, it's great. It's great. It's really good. But, and, uh, but it's weird because we, we will be bringing you some stuff I don't think you'll have heard before. You know, I think for next next show we're on, yeah, we will give you some EVPs, yeah, which are not yes no answers. No, these no. are clear, intelligent responses yeah. to questions. Not the intelligent responses, but the directions. Yeah, definitely. Um, We've also got stone tape that, although recorded on one level, a speed, there's stone tape recordings in there that are, are slowed down. Uh, we are any manipulation or touching of this, you know, it's the there. Yeah. It's really unusual. Yeah. Such a footage that we've got into, you know. Musket fire is a oh, is it's, it's an absolute. It's a brilliant one, and we've also got some um, Lancaster bombers going over, and from that, World War Two from World War Two, and that's actual flight path that they took when they were going backwards and forwards into Europe. Unknown to us, we inside yeah. Led Chapel. Yeah. We didn't hear anything. Oh no, we were factory outside. We were outside, um, yeah. Nothing, no noise or anything. Nothing. Left recorders going inside chapel. When we've played them back, you can hear, clearly hear what seems like a squadron of bombers. Yeah. What's yeah. interesting, Steve, is RAF Church Fenton is about six miles away. Yeah. And what would have been one of the major launching points for, for Battle of Europe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that path, so it's on that direct path that comes over. Yeah. But we've got all these. We'll. Um, we wanted to introduce ourselves, tell you where we were, and uh, keep in touch, and, and we'll keep bringing you EVPs and evidence. It'll get better. It's me, Andy Evans. And me, Steve Hemingway. From West Yorkshire. In England. <laughs> Thanks Talk very much. Talk to you later. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. All righty. And that was our story from Andy Evans and Steve Hemingway from England, live from the haunted Leeds Chapel in North Yorkshire. Did you say they were part of the Dark Hours? Is that their uh, group, Cheryl? I think that's what you said, right? Dark Dark Hours, I think it was. That's what I wrote yes, down. Yes, that is I what I correct. said. Yeah. There you go. So it's another interesting... So we always have good correspondence segments, man. They're I'm awesome. You, yeah. I'm so happy with our correspondence. Thank you, everyone. Yes, thank you very much. So now we have a little bit of time to waste. So let's go to... Um, why don't you go ahead and promo up wherever you want to promo up there, Cheryl. Anything well, you want to I, I up? Would, yeah, I would like to talk about next week's show. And um, yeah, it's going to be a good one. We will be talking either live or it may be a pre-recorded playback. But anyway, next week we will be airing uh, a chat with Nick Groff and Katrina Weedman from the TV show Paranormal Lockdown on Destination America. And um, that date is Thursday, October 27th. So please, please, uh, if you're listening live or on on uh, Podbean or iTunes, join us in the Mix LR uh, Paranormal Underground chat room to listen live. There you go. I there am you having have that show. That is, has been kind of a refreshing, you know, addition to the paranormal shows out there. Um, it's you know it's what, nice. You what know show that I love that he did is the Ghost of Shepherdstown. Man, that was. That was so unique. I, I have to finish watching that one. I didn't get a chance to finish oh, it yet. I, know. I, don't know, I don't know the you ultimate conclusion, but I'm interested in finishing it up. Yeah, that, that's all that Bob says. You should, ought to do a special live show from Bob Mackey's. Well, if our ah. producers want to 
They'll pay for us to, you know, fly us down there and stuff. Sure <laughs> not a bad idea. Hey, Chuck, are you not joining us? Are you going to be coming along? I, I believe I can't because November is Black Friday for retail. Oh, so my God. You're going to be busy at work. Okay. Stuck. Yeah, I'm really stuck at work. I, if Darn. it were any other month, I would definitely would have been fighting for it. Because I have like, oh, let's see, less my son's wedding, which is coming up next weekend, by the way. Congratulations to Matt and Tara. Um, the, I have like 60, 70 hours left in vacation time. And we have till December like 24th or something to use it all up. And what's happening is I'll take a day off and then they'll say, well, can't you do this? And then I go back. And so then I get my vacation time back. Plus, when you work, you accrue according to how many hours you work. So I keep every time I use it, I just keep getting more and more. And if you don't yeah. use it, by the end of the year, you lose it. So I just keep dumping it into my paycheck. But my boss is saying, we don't want you just to do that. We want you to get some time off or you're just going to be burnt out. Because I don't. I don't like this year. Mm -hmm. I didn't call it this year. Wow. Not I haven't been late in five years. That's Never. Awesome. Ever. Well, and you're like one of those ideal employees that everybody else is like mad at because like you're, you're <laughs> such a good example and <laughs> you I'm show like them. A, I'm old school, so I show up yeah. way ahead of time. And you know, I mean, I've been sick a few times in the five years. I've been four or five times. You know, um, and my back goes wacky, or I'm really. But if I'm not really really like i'm not incapacitated i will go in as long as i'm not spreading you know viruses or anything like that so but i don't know i keep i try to keep myself healthy knock on formica so you know <laughs> knock so, on formica so patrick do you have anything coming up like on your show you want to talk about real quick and like any new guests or anything exciting happening well, I will. T I guess I could talk about a couple of things. I was just sure. getting ready to say I really need to get on my next correspondence segment. Mm -hmm. And I know that Cheryl expressed interest in my evening that I spent at the Lemp Mansion. Yes, oh, I want to come about that totally. too. Oh, yes. Exactly by myself. I wasn't for sure if I was going to be or not, but there was another couple there with me. Oh, and we okay. never ran into each other. So it was like a dark, spooky what? evening. And it almost made it worse because you were worried about bumping into someone you've never met in this, you know, dark, spooky mansion. Oh but it was really fun. So I'll work on, I'll put something together for awesome. that. But just recently, I just released uh, another interview with Jim Harold for his... Uh, most recent campfire book that's out. And then the week before that, I was really excited to talk to Amy Bruni and Adam uh, Barry for their new show coming out. That was exciting. And you know what? You know who was on the show the week before that? It was this weird, crazy guy named Chuck Gotsky. What? He was on my show before that week. What? Yeah. Really cool interview. So you can check out bigseance.com. Yeah. For all of that stuff, there so crazy busy time October. Yeah, it was fun being on your show. I had a, I had a, I had a blast. So, and, and first, I was like, we were talking. And I'm like, you might have to edit this part out, Patrick, because I think I maybe I was uh, skewing people or you know being rude. <laughs> then I listened to it. I'm like, no, it's, I was like, I don't know what the heck I was thinking. I think really it was okay, Chuck. It was just fine. So all right, you have to tell me really quick what, what just a, a, a taste of flavor, Lemp Mansion. Was there anything scary that happened? Anything creepy? Anything that well, took you off by off guard? I have to tell you. Yeah. I am usually very I I, I don't necessarily brag, but mm -hmm. you know, being a former paranormal investigator and yeah. you know, uh, knowing you know what paranormal investigators know, I don't get too 
afraid of things. And I've been, I've bragged about being in a haunted farmhouse okay. in the, at, at, at night, you know, by myself doing some investigating. I bragged about that, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> so I go downstairs because I'm staying on the second floor of the limp and I'm doing a few Facebook lives with my peeps and everything. It was really funny. And they said, go downstairs. And I said, okay, cool. So I start going downstairs and I realize it's kind of dark downstairs. <laughs> they don't have too many lights on. And uh, like, like I said, I think it almost made it worse that I knew there were two people in the building, but you mm -hmm. don't know who they were and you yeah. never met them and you don't want to startle them, but you don't want to mm -hmm. be startled. But I went down the stairs. I heard a little noise. Could have been something I made myself on the <laughs> steps. You know, I don't know. <laughs> And I was, it was on the Facebook Live right there. I can't even play it off. I was like, mm -mm, nope, too dark for me. Sorry, guys. Went right, right Way to go. So I went up to the third floor. Um, I heard the couple up there talking. I didn't want to freak them out, but we hung out a little bit at the third floor. Went all over the second floor. Um we, you know, we had some Ouija board experiences. Nothing really happened on the Ouija board, but we had a uh, the Ovulus Five. I took the Ovulus Five, and um, we did some. It's kind of like a big uh, slumber party on Facebook Live with some of my my para nerds from nice. the podcast, and we asked questions, and uh, it was really really cool. And then cool. I probably slept about two hours mm -hmm. just because i was so freaked out <laughs> there, there you have it folks voila so, yeah oh, oh look at this it's already the end of the show already gosh and i talked the whole oh, way through uh, with the end. Oh, it's okay it's all right it's good well patrick i want to say thanks for coming on and filling in uh for karen because she was uh, off this week i do appreciate it we miss um, karen it's fun being your ed mcmahon though why, thank you very much. And I'm going to let Cheryl go ahead and do the times because, you know, I don't memorize the times. I only know the real times. <laughs> my times. So. Go ahead, All Cheryl. right, everyone. Come back next week. Same time. That would be 6 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Central, and 9 p.m. Eastern. Check us out next week. There you go. You've been listening to Paranormal Radio in the dark. I'm MixLR. We love you, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.